Um, we're really looking to produce kind of instruments that will be used in our Redeemer's hands um, to, to, yeah, help people love God more, obey Him with a greater joy, and just grow more into His image. I'm Rush Witt, and you're listening to Straight to the Heart, a podcast from New Growth Press. Each episode includes thought-provoking conversations with leading Christian writers and thinkers. We hear who they are, what they believe, how they approach their work in ministry, and the moments in people who have changed their lives. In Straight to the Heart, we go beyond the books to connect with the remarkable people behind them. And today is certainly no exception. Bonus episodes like this give us a chance to do something unique. And today, I spent a unique and interesting time with Daniel Henderson, who is Vice President of Strategy for Publications Chrétiennes, a French publishing house based in Quebec, Canada. We enjoyed talking about the importance of book translation around the world and how churches and Christians can make a missional impact by supporting the translation of great Christian resources through publishing ministries like his. I found our conversation interesting and helpful, and I think you will too. This is Straight to the Heart. One of the things I'm always interested to talk to you about is just that you're a master traveler. And you're always, yep. you're always going somewhere and you know, not everybody loves traveling, even if they have to do it for their work. I hear a lot of people have to travel and they, you know, wish they didn't. Do you really like to travel? Yeah, I really, really love traveling. Um, what do you love about traveling? Yeah, there's something about, I mean, one, it's just absolutely incredible that you, you go to the airport, you walk into a long metal tube. And a couple hours later, you're somewhere completely different. I mean, it's absolutely, it's mind blowing, really, to think that it's amazing. You know, tomorrow morning I could be eating a croissant in Paris. It's kind of crazy. It is crazy. That's amazing. But it's totally possible. We could be there together. We yeah. have time. Both of us have time to get there. What? Where have you been most recently that really was just a joy to be? Yeah, most most recently, last trip I did was to uh, Amsterdam, mm -hmm. and there was a uh, a ministry that sponsored uh, a bunch of international partners to come together to just reflect on what what God's doing throughout the world through mm -hmm. international publishing, through translation, through sharing good content online, and uh, yeah, we had guys from twenty or thirty different countries i i think and you know and that's really what makes travel so amazing is that it's stories it's people it's 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 yes it's places yes it's monuments but really you know those things kind of always were there and always will be there you know in a sense but yeah. but the people who who god brought there you know there's there was a pastor from from nepal you know, and for him, it was, it's hard for these guys to get visas. Yeah. So to be able to be with him in the same room and to hear how God's working in his country, to hear what, what's going on through their, through their publishing ministry. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't really trade that for much else. You no, know that's I mean? incredible. Yeah. What's your favorite place overall? If you could even, you have a ton of places that you've traveled to, so maybe it's hard to narrow it down, but what's your favorite place of all to either go or where you just had the most 
kind of incredible experience in your work? Yeah, that's uh, it's such a tough question. People ask me all the time, and I think I give a different answer. I think I always give a different answer. Um, you know, in some ways, I really, really love France. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the diversity of, of 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 landscapes, the diversity of of cultures, the just there's so much going on there mm-hmm. in terms of the uh, the church, and um, so I really do love France. But I think there was a place that surprised me the most was uh, Madagascar. Um, you know, when I say Madagascar, a lot of us probably think the Disney film, the Disney film or Pixar film, whatever. It That's is. what I think of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I was obliged to watch it on the plane before arriving in Madagascar just to make sure I was up to speed. But, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect there. You know, I'd been to Africa, you know, many times and, you know, in a lot of places in Africa, it's, it's, it's really, it's really tough, you know, it's very poor. It's, um, but there's one experience is when you try to take pictures in Africa, often people aren't happy with that because of different spiritual beliefs. So it kind of sets the tone a bit to the trip when you're just driving around from place to place. And in Madagascar, when I would take pictures of people, they would call their friends together and, you know, pose for me. You know, I'd be sitting in my car just taking pictures out the window and people would be posing for me. Yeah, so it, it really surprised me, you know, because, you know, one thing I haven't seen in, in traveling is, is, a, is a correlation between having lots of money and having lots of stuff and being joyful. Mm. I haven't seen that correlation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Madagascar is is one of those places that that really pleasantly surprised me, and uh, yeah, I just look for. I'm going back next week, so um, yeah, really, really love it there. Can you tell me more about what your work is like in these travels, even when you're at home? Kind of what your your normal day and week and work process is like. What are you doing in terms of French publishing mm. uh, in in Canada, around the world? Yeah, I'm working with a French publishing house, and you know when when God gave me a, a desire to serve the French speaking church, I didn't know that that literally meant every continent in the world. Mm. Uh, you know, some languages have the uh, the reality is, is they're spoken in kind of a geographical area, um, but there's French spoken in every continent except Asia, officially. Really? I yeah, I mean, that. a lot of people don't realize, um, and I didn't realize even when I get started. Obviously, we all think of, you know, some of us may think of Canada, mm-hmm. um, obviously France and Switzerland and Belgium. Uh, Luxembourg as well. But then if we go into Africa, you know, you've got the Northern African countries, Tunisia, Morocco, Algeria, Mauritania, that are French slash Arabic. Um, When I go to Tunisia, I speak French the whole time without the need of a translator. Then in in kind of um, the, 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 the rest of continental Africa, there's a dozen or so other countries that speak French. Um, and actually, an interesting point is the largest French-speaking city in the world is is Kinshasa, 
in the Congo. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, so like the French speaking world is Africa. And then as you go down the coast to Madagascar, which is French speaking, you've also got um, Reunion, Mauritius, Mayotte, Comoros, um, that are all French speaking countries. So Africa is, 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 I don't know if it's predominantly French, but a lot of people speak French there. South America, you have one place, French Guyana, um, which is uh, it's actually kind of like a Puerto Rico to Brazil. So a little piece of trivia is that France shares its largest border with Brazil because French Guyana is part of France. Wow, yeah. So a lot of my time is spent trying to meet as many people in the French-speaking world that we can serve with our resources. So when when it comes to figuring out what you can do, is that thing that you do, typically you're finding an English resource that is gaining traction either broadly or in this particular place that's needed in uh, only in French, and then you're working from there to in a translation process? What's that process like to finally see the book delivered to mm. these people who who need and want it? Yeah, so it all starts like with publishers like you guys. I mean, um, one of the realities with international publishing is we're often really short on resources. You know, we're short on manpower. We're often short on finances. Um, the potential authors in the French-speaking world that we would work with are often in the same boat. Often their churches, you know, don't have as many paid staff as they should. So the pastor is literally doing everything, kind of like a church plant would be in the U.S. And so, you know, they don't have the the time to sit down and write a book. So while we have many, many capable people in the French-speaking world who could write excellent books, the reality is, is they don't have the time to do it. So one of the, I'll call it gifts and curses, is that there's such good publishing going on in English that we're able to take advantage of. So one of, like, that's kind of the first part of my job is, and as you can see in my office, um, I, I love reading, I love books. So it's kind of devouring everything that's new, looking what's coming out. Um, because obviously we need to be aware of what's, what's being published in order to know what we could potentially translate. And then what's happening is while I'm doing all these conversations on the other side, trying to figure out projects, I'm also asking, Hey, what are the challenges you're facing? You know, and it could be challenges that are pastoral, right? um, but it could also be challenges that are theological. You know, um, recently I had a, I had uh, I had some guys in in Europe talking about, man, so many people don't understand the Trinity. It's just because of a lack of uh, of training, a lack of kind of resources to help them understand. I mean, the Trinity is a complicated doctrine. So we we understood that there was a there was a challenge amongst mostly lay people, in regards to understanding the doctrine of the Trinity. And obviously, that's a fairly important doctrine. So we were, and since we knew that the issue was was around lay people, we were like, okay, who, who, you know, what resource would be good for lay people on the Trinity? You know, on my on my on my shelf on theology proper, I've got lots of books that would be terrible for lay people because they wouldn't get past the introduction. 
but then I, I, I remembered, and it was it was at the the, the Ligonier conference. I saw these crucial questions books, and they had one. What is the Trinity? Fifty pages, super accessible, and I was like, ah, oh, this is perfect. So then we're able to grab that resource, figure out how to get it translated, um, you know, get it printed. That resource there, um, we were able to make as a free download because a lot of the um, after after we, we we began hearing that you know a lot of people in Africa were wanting the resource, so we were like, let's just make it a free download and just get it out there. So that's kind of an example of of just the reality of it. It's it's identifying problems and figuring out tools or resources that will help come alongside to solve those problems. You know, I think biblical counseling is another category that New Growth Press has been really helpful on. Mm. Um, you know, there's a really strong biblical counseling movement in the United States, in the English-speaking world, and and any ministry that decides to open up a counseling center or anything related to counseling at that matter is able to depend on just solid resources that have been done that are there. Well, in, in the French speaking world, um, one of my friends, Mathieu Caron, who's on the biblical counseling coalition had really been con convicted that this was something we needed in the French speaking world. So through that conversation with Matthew, it was like we identified a need you know, hey, we really want to see, you know, a generation of biblical counselors um, raised up who believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, who who have a, a good biblical view of what sanctification is, who who haven't been muddled with secular psychology and pop psychology and all, all this stuff. Okay, well, if we're going to train these people, we're going to need good books. So that's when we got working, you know, and we... On one side, it's very expensive, so we're working on the donor side of things, and then we're working on the content hunting side. So, you know, hey, Matt, what are the courses you want to teach? Here's the courses I want to teach. Okay, cool. What are the books that you would like to require reading? Okay, here they are. And then literally start translating. And it's really amazing because, you know, I think it was, you know, maybe five years ago, um, they were able to to launch a school, a training, and we basically were one course ahead of them with translating books. But today we have hundreds of people a year who are going through biblical counseling training in the in the French speaking world and using these books and resources that that we translated. And seven years ago, I would have told you that we had one biblical trained biblical counselor in in the French speaking world. I can't say that anymore. So that's kind of what we do, or what I do specifically. We're closing in on the conclusion of this first season of Straight to the Heart. And over the next few weeks, we're gearing up for season two. In the meantime, I want you to do a few things. First, if you've not subscribed to this podcast, subscribe now so you don't miss any of the outstanding episodes coming in the new season. You can do this by subscribing right here in your podcast app or by visiting newgrowthpress.com and clicking on podcast. Second, share this podcast with your friends. And third, visit newgrowthpress.com to sign up for our email updates. 
When you do, you'll not only stay in the loop on our new releases, but you'll also receive a 15% discount on your next online order. You can do all of this and more by visiting newgrowthpress.com. Since it's an important topic uh, mm. to the church and the world and your work, how did you come to biblical counseling and you know a particular interest in moving in that direction? Yeah, it was it was it was through a whole bunch of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously through you know desiring God at conferences and John Piper. It would be something that would come up. You know, I would see the booth of CCEF, which was you know, at different places. And, um, and then on the other side, I had my friend Matthew who was going through the training and sharing with me about the things that he was learning and sharing me these books by, you know, Paul Tripp and uh, different and David Paulison and different people like that. And, um, and then on the other side, I was working at the time with a, with a Baptist seminary that was actually translating CCF courses. So I took, um, so that's where I was really first exposed seriously to biblical counseling through the course Dynamics of Biblical Change with David Paulison. And I mean, that course is is game-changing. Oh, for sure. So that was really probably kind of the moment where I was like, yeah, Matt, I agree with you. You know, we really need to see this. Um, and at that seminary, it was really cool because we actually required dynamics of biblical change for every pastor, you know, and the, the seminary really embraced biblical counseling. Um, you know, we had different funders who were able to come alongside, and then we were able to start a French biblical counseling coalition. Um, and yeah, it's just been really amazing to see the fruit, you know, of course that like the fruit that it's easy to get excited about is all the books, the programs and all that. But if I go down, you know, to the different names and people that I that I know who've been helped through biblical counseling in Quebec, I mean, that's really why we do it all. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? For sure, yeah. Um, so it's it's just amazing. And uh yeah, my my part in it is kind of getting the resources translated. So well, your your part is an amazing part. It's something that I really appreciate about the work of publishers and that I value in my small role in being part of a, a, a great publisher at New Growth Press. And that is that with every resource book that's published, there's an opportunity to impact so many, really thousands of people. It's one of the unique places where you can do one thing that will reach uh, a, a wide spectrum of people. And I appreciate what you're saying uh, in the way that you see your work, because for you, the travel and the translation and the publishing is about people. Mm, and it's about exactly. connecting with people, understanding them, and then meeting meeting their need, you know? And I think that really is uh, the beauty, the beauty of what we are um, blessed to be able to, to do and to be, to be a part of. And it's really what distinguishes, you know, evangelical publishing, Mm. you know, like I never been to a new growth press meeting, but I am sure when you're discussing it, a book, a resource, an idea for a resource, 
those are the things you're talking about. How is this going to help someone, you know, fulfill the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment, you know? Um, and, you know, traditional publishing, you know, there may be a certain connection to the content, but it's not the same type of discussion. You know, we're really looking to see, uh, we're really looking to produce kind of instruments that will be used in our Redeemer's hands um, to, to, yeah, help people love God more, obey him with a greater joy, mm. and just grow more into his image. You know, so it's really something that that distinguishes kind of evangelical publishing of our sorts. So true. So tell me more about what are the biggest needs in your work when it comes to a moment ago, you talked about fund fundraising and funding for the work. What are the biggest needs that people out in the world who catch a vision for what you're doing? How do they get involved with you? And what yeah. role do it's they play? A, yeah, it's a great, a great, great, great question. I mean, when you think of international publishing, you know, for us for generally and for us specifically, you know, being a publisher in the United States is really great. Why? Because there's a lot of Christians there. And if you're, you know, kind of convinced of, you know, reformed theology, there's a lot of reformed Christians, you know. Um, on the mission field, where you know in Quebec we have fifty, sixty thousand Christians total, and then if we kind of go, yeah, if we kind of go into kind of our convictional our convictions, um, that number shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. So then, when we add on top of that, hey, we want someone with a certain skill set shrink 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 um you know it basically means that one of the challenges of a lot of publishers internationally is just finding qualified staff who shares the convictions of the ministry um so that's you know like i'm a missionary in quebec you know so i came in from outside with a certain skill set to help to help this this ministry i was able to to learn the language and 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 move here, so I would say you know, it, 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 if God is is nudging you to missionary service, you know wherever that is, if it's the French world, if it's in Albania, if it's in the Arabic speaking world, I'd say a category to consider is if your skill set matches is 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 possibly helping, you know, in the work of publishing in these countries. There's publishing Christian publishing happening everywhere you can imagine. It's really incredible. Um, I mean, it's really incredible um, how God is raising up, you know, Christian publishers to produce good resources everywhere I can imagine. Um, but often, you know, finding qualified staff is very hard. So that would be the first thing is, you know, just if God's nudging you to missions, maybe it's in, a, in, a, in, in serving, you know, Christian publishing in one of those places. Um, and then the second thing is distribution. You know, we talked about translating books, and we've translated a lot of books. Um, but like I said, I live at the beginning, trying to find the books that we translate, and the end, trying to get mm -hmm. them into hands. Yeah. And you can publish the world's greatest book, but if no one has access to it or no one um, is reading it, 
then you, it doesn't matter how great it is. You know what I mean? So one of the things that I love about the American church is the American church supports missionaries in the craziest places. Um, you know, we've, and that's, and, and, and we've used those, that reality to get books into crazy places. You know, we'll, we'll have someone who'll call us and say, oh, we're going, you know, we're supporting this church in the Ivory Coast. So we're going there with a team and we want to bring books. And I'm like, cool. So where are you going? You going to Abidjan, the capital? And they're like, yeah, so we're flying to Abidjan and then we're taking a bush plane yeah. and then we're going to drive through the forest and then we're going to cross a river yeah. and then we're going to end up in this village where there's a church. And, and I'm like, wow. And you want to bring books there? to equip the pastor, man, praise God. Cause I will never find that place, you know? So it's been one of the kind of unique joys in seeing, and it's just the, the reality of the American church is you guys support lots of great ministry around the world. And I think, you know, again, for French specifically, but for any language you're going, you know, to think about the fact that one, if, Probably in their country, distribution networks are very poor. You know, there's no such thing as Amazon. There's no such thing right. as Christianbook.com. You know, yeah. So books are books are traveling on mopeds and motorcycles and tuk-tuks. You know, they're not they're not traveling through organized methods, and that's a hard thing for us Westerners to sometimes imagine. So if someone doesn't bring your guy books, he's probably not going to get them. Two, he probably doesn't have the financial means to buy them. So to think about it, like if you have a church mission team heading somewhere to just say, hey, would it be helpful if we bring you some books, some commentaries, and, and then ask them, what's the local publisher? You know, and they'll probably know. And, you know, often those publishers are located in the capital where the airport is. Um, so then you can go stop, you know, pick up some books because for us in the West, it's not a lot of money and bring them those resources because, you know, often one of the challenges is, is we'll show up at a place to train for two days, three days, and then we leave, but the books will stay with them. You know, the books are going to be, you know, what they're going to be able to go back to. You know, they're going to be able to refer to, they're going to be able to share, they're going to be able to sharpen. So yeah, just thinking about, you know, hey, I'm going on a mission trip. Is there any resources that I can bring in their language? Oh, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. And then, and then third is, of course, uh, money. Because often what happens is, um, you know, it's very expensive to translate in certain languages, French being one of them, because it's more of a Western language. Um, but the sales of the books often don't compensate for the cost of producing it. And, you know, in a, in a business model, we just wouldn't do those books. Um, but because of our convictions about equipping the church and equipping pastors, it's not an option not to do them. You know, I think about the biblical counseling books, you know, there's some of them in the, in the training that are really specific. I mean, they're not going to sell a ton because it's so spe specific, but it's so important to train those biblical counselors in that issue. So we do it, but then we lose money. 
And as you know, you can only lose money for so long. So that's where donors can come in and yeah, and help support that. And that's really fun because again, for French or for any language where your church may have a have a heart or maybe serving, you know, uh translating a 200-page book if you're in if you're in uh, you know, Asia, Africa, South America, it could be two, three thousand dollars. Yeah. If you're in a that. yeah, if you're in Europe, it could be um six to ten thousand dollars. You know, if you're in Korea, it's also more expensive. And this is the cost of the translation, not including actually producing the book? It's inclu- that that's usually it's- the cost with everything except printing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, so to be able to to kind of come alongside and, you know, we've had churches who've, who've called us up and said, hey, our church really has been impacted by by this book. There was one church, they had really been impacted, their leadership team, by Dangerous Calling, mm. by Paul Tripp. And they called me up and said, hey, yeah, our team has been really kind of impacted by this book. Is it in French? And I said, no, it's not. You know, because it's a book for pastors, it has a pretty small market. Yeah. You know, in places where there's not a lot of Christians, there's a lot less pastors. And um, and they said, How much would it cost to translate it? And they funded it, a small church in rural Pennsylvania. And, you know, that's the type of thing that that churches can imagine is sponsoring a book project. Mm. Um you know, which basically allows a resource to be translated that would not be translated yeah. otherwise. Well, I'll be honest, Daniel, I'm really learning a lot from our conversation and I really value it. That's why I love doing this. And that mm. right there is something that I've just learned because uh, I just have not thought of that. I haven't thought of the opportunity for churches or even, a you know, maybe one or more Christians together to think missionally about publishing because it's, it's just this thing that happens. Mm. It happens yeah. somewhere in the unseen, you know, place. Exactly. And then the book pops out, it's out there. But to think about how the church could consider, and I'm thinking about this myself now, could consider how some kind of sponsorship of, of resources can be a real missions endeavor. Uh, a church's investment in in mission missional publishing has yes. a wide reach and it has a wide reach in a similar way as we would imagine uh, a missionary or team on the field they're going to mm-hmm. go and be able to to have contact with lots of uh, lots of people who need yep. to hear the gospel and, and you know just to just to clarify a point because some people might say oh but if they're selling the book after why would i support it well you know, there's things that you can invest in that you invest directly in. Yeah. Um, you know, that whole idea of, you know, teaching someone to fish or give him fish yeah. by investing in the translation of a resource, you know, cause there are some books that would cover their own expenses through sales. But the reality is, is to run a publishing ministry, you need to do more than pay for the sure. cost yeah. of the book. So, you know, you could give, you know, a church could give $10,000 directly to a publisher and they may put that kind of into their operations budget. Uh And that's great. Right. Or a church could say, Hey, we're going to help translate this book. And then the publisher will work on selling it. They may do free distribution to people who are in needs. They may do free digital downloads. These are all things that internationally happens quite a bit. 
Well, then the revenue they make from selling actually then goes into operations. But then they also have a book that they're able to accomplish their mission. So it's it's kind of it's investing in a book project, but it's also investing in the overall ministry. And uh, yeah, it's it's so important. And you know, there are languages that don't need funding for translations because the number of Christians is is large enough. Um, but there's a lot of languages that that do. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna think more about that. Actually, Daniel, I'm glad we talked about this and I'm going to think about it and talk with our elders more about it at my church, because I think we should think about those opportunities. And Daniel, man, you're so great to spend this time with me. I really enjoy it. Oh, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun. I wish we could, we could, we could probably win all afternoon. Oh, I, I definitely could. <laughs> I love talking with you and about these things and I find it so interesting. So uh, it's really, it's really fantastic. Thank you. No problem. It's been, uh, like I said, it's been a lot of fun. We don't get to spend time as, at as many conferences as I'd like, but uh, yeah, this is a cool way to, to make up for that. Did you know that you can find all the new releases from New Growth Press in one place? Visit newgrowthpress.com and click new releases. You can search through the categories, read reviews, and even see upcoming releases. And watch for another bonus episode next week where I'll talk with Editorial Vice President Barbara Giuliani about our fall new releases. And again, thank you for listening and subscribing to Straight to the Heart.